This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik, a progress company. Hello and welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and today is a brand new type of episode. We'll get into that in a moment. So let me introduce my brand new co-host, Brian Rinaldi. Hello. So Brian, uh, why don't you give the listeners a little uh, info about uh, who you are, what you do for uh, Telerik. So um, I am the developer programs manager, which uh, essentially means I run a lot of of other things like the Telerik Developer Network, our user group program. Um, I work on our experts program and lots of other programs that the developer relations team does. So we normally don't have a co-host on the show. It's more like an interview type of a show, Uh, but we only do two shows per month. So we we do a show every two, um, once every other week. And we started this about 10 months ago so we, we've been doing the show for almost a year. We have 22 episodes up online. Uh, if you haven't heard some of those, you might want to go back and, and catch some of the backlog. There's some really great stuff in there. But what we wanted to do is offer an extra two shows each month. So we, we have actually a show every week now. Um, so Brian is the new co-host of the show for these episodes. These are going to be called the uh, Telerik Developer Digest shows. Um, Brian, you want to talk about the Telerik Developer Digest and kind of how it relates to what we're doing here? Sure. Uh, You know, the Developer Digest is basically a newsletter. We send it out uh, bi-weekly, and it has uh, not just the links that were in the Telerik Developer Network over the past two weeks, but additionally links that would be, say, relevant to um, any of our Telerik developer audience, um, whether you're a .NET developer, JavaScript developer, mobile developer, just kind of relevant links from the community as well as uh, all of the content that was on the Telerik developer network. And a lot of those writings are kind of like hot news items and stuff. So uh, right. this gives us an opportunity to cover, you know, hot developer news and and talk about what's going on in the community. So it sounds like a, a good addition to the show, and it'll be a lot of fun to have you on, Brian. Thanks. I'm looking forward to it. So th- this week we've got several topics to cover. Um, we've got stuff from JavaScript land and uh, things that went on at Microsoft Build. Uh, we have a really like cool survey, survey that uh, we did for Telerik, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, so let's kick things off with... Uh, the tools to learn by JavaScript, or tools to learn JavaScript by doing. Uh, this was an article by Raymond Camden. Right. So I, this article, one of the interesting things is he, he reviews a bunch of sites that are kind of quizzes, not really quizzes, like puzzles, code puzzles that you solve with JavaScript in order to learn more about coding in JavaScript. Um, one of the things I loved about this article um, Ray has been writing a bunch of stuff that's geared towards a very, I wouldn't say super beginner. I mean, this, these are things that, you know, if you just want to beef up your skills, you could, could do that even if you already know JavaScript. But he's focused a lot of content recently on, on people trying to, to, to break into the language and to learn it. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, we tend to write articles that are really geared towards the, 
the kind of high level intermediate or even advanced people and forget that there's a lot of people who are just trying to enter into a language and start to learn it. Uh, so it's great to have content that addresses their needs. Yeah, and another thing is I'm a big fan of self-teaching. And uh, one of the first shows we actually did for Eat Sleep Code was was about that uh, spe specific topic. Um, so I really liked some of the things he had outlined in the article. One of the things he had was a little project called JS Assignment, or Assessment, I believe. Right. Um, and it's like unit tests that challenge you to complete the unit tests to, to learn how to code different parts of JavaScript. And what a what a good way to not only learn JavaScript, habits. Yeah, so you get to learn some best practices and how to unit test and, and the actual language itself, which is pretty pretty slick. Uh, yep. There's some other really great ones he outlined in the article. And again, I'm a big fan of stuff like this. This is how I like to learn different coding languages and stuff like that. The fun thing to me was also that um, if you see there's a bunch of comments there and everybody's like, oh, what about this one? And what about that one? Everybody seems to have kind of their favorite other one, other tool to learn, you know, using the quiz set slash, uh, you know, puzzle type of sites. Yeah, there's a lot of them out there, especially for JavaScript. Uh, a lot of that's because you can actually do the stuff online and see instant results like right in your browser without having to download something or compile code. Yeah, yeah, that is one of the easy ways it's easy to learn JavaScript. Um, you know, it's why it's a good it's a good language for somebody who wants to break into programming in some respects because it's just well you have all the tools you need to learn it right just the browser. Yeah. Uh, so next up we have uh, Microsoft Build. So Sam Basu uh, actually wrote this up, but Sam, uh, myself, and a bunch of other folks from Telerk were out at Microsoft Build, and there were. There's way too many topics to cover, uh, but uh, I'll, we'll highlight some of the big ones. And uh, we actually have a couple podcasts uh, in the backlog and a couple um, that haven't been released yet with more build content. So uh, to, to kick off Sam's article, uh, Microsoft came on stage with the big announcement uh, that Windows is the new home for all developers of any kind. So did you catch that uh, build announcement, Brian? I, I read about the build announcement. I, I wasn't there, unfortunately. So Microsoft's gearing itself up to be, uh, or Windows is going to be the, the playground for all developers. So it doesn't matter what platform you're developing for, uh, they want to be part of that. Yeah, and I think that's great. I mean, it's just, you know, I, personally... Um, I think I'm one of the few Windows fans on our, on our team, right? <laughs> you, me, you, me, maybe Sam. I, I, you know, I, I'm a Windows fan. I, I have a Surface Pro 3. I love, I, I even was one, maybe one of those few people who didn't hate Windows 8. Um, I thought it was not too bad. I, I was perfectly content with it. Um, but Windows 10 I like a lot and I like to see them opening it up you know, to just about any developer who wants to be able to develop, to be, you know, you want to be able to use your Unix tools, well, right? Yeah, they they integrated Bash now in Windows 10, and they did that in cooperation with Canonical. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that being a good experience. I haven't got to try it myself yet, 
Um, I know it's. I think it's actually released already. I could be yeah, wrong. Yeah, it's. But... It, it's. Uh, if you get there, there's a preview. Um, a Windows 10 preview build or something that has it. Ah, okay. So it's available yeah, so like to some couple, folks. Right. So a couple days after build, but I haven't. It, it must be a very limited release because I haven't actually seen anybody discussing it publicly and what things work and did they run into any issues or anything like that. And the other thing they really pushed it, it, with this uh, Windows being the home for developers is uh, that all the tooling uh, that's coming out, uh, Visual Studio Code, uh, you can run not only on Windows but anywhere. Uh, and then they made another huge announcement that they were going to make Xamarin free for all developers that have a copy of Visual Studio. And that even includes the free edition of Visual Studio. Right. Yeah, that was a big thing. And, you know, um, you know personally, even Visual Studio Code, I think, um, I remember when it first came out, I, I thought I thought to myself, you know, I, I wasn't quite sure why Microsoft would want, even want to go there. Um, there was tools already that, you know, Atom and Brackets and other things. And, and even, you know, if you wanted free ones, right, those were free options. But, like, i got to say, Visual Studio Code just really, Microsoft knows how to build good developer tools and I've kind of dropped Adam and I've brackets and that's kind of become my regular code editor even if I'm not you know I'm just doing JavaScript web stuff I think it's a great editor yeah it really is and you know Visual Studio itself is is amazing uh, but Visual Studio code is really picking up and running really really strong I've seen a lot of people that are not Windows fans or Microsoft fans picking it up and using it. Totally, uh, I would agree. I, I know a lot of people who are who are not necessarily Microsoft developers in any way, but they've all kind of decided to just adopt Visual Studio Code as their primary code environment. And then we have Xamarin free for everybody, so that brings anybody who's building iOS and Android apps and Windows Phone as well. Uh, you can do that right on Microsoft's platform. Yep, I saw a lot of that was that was the thing to talk about. Obviously, people were very excited about that, and I think you know if you're a C sharp developer, this is this is obviously very exciting to not have to pay for those tools and stuff. Uh, you know, being able to just jump right into mobile development. And this is great news for us too. So we're we're completely embracing this announcement uh, because we have some awesome UI tools that we build for Xamarin. So with all that extra do. money you're saving for not buying Xamarin anymore, stop <laughs> by uh, Zamarin.com and check out our UI for Xamarin. There's a free 30-day trial and uh, see yeah. what kind of cool stuff we have. We sound like the like those guys who say like you know we'll come spend your tax return on us. Yeah, we'll we'll file it for you. And uh, we'll give you some Xamarin controls while we're at it. <laughs> uh, so continuing on with uh, some more Microsoft stuff, um, Sambasu and uh, John Bristow and myself, um, we all participated in this uh, who is the .NET developer uh, survey type of a thing. And we went out to our, our user base, our, our readers of developer.teleric.com, and our customers and did a .NET community report uh, with them. So we, we had a big collection of survey questions and we got the results back and the three of us went through and kind of offered up our opinions on it and put it in a nice 
uh, nicely formatted report for uh, people to download. Yeah, you know, I, I think everybody should really take a look at this because it doesn't even matter if you're a .NET developer. It's kind of a good insight into a really, really big community of developers and to what they're looking at. And I thought there was lots of really interesting results in there. Um, you know, it's good to see that people are excited about the, the way that .NET is headed with the whole, you know, given that it's a lot of things are changing uh, very fast. Um, but there was a lot of, there was also uh, seemingly like they're excited about this, but tell me if I'm right, there seemed to be a lot of hesitancy as well in that I'm excited about the future, but I'm not really moving fast to get there. Yeah, so it's really interesting. And I cherry picked a couple items out of there that kind of supported uh, the Microsoft build stuff we just talked about and mm -hmm. the self-learning topic we just covered. So 69% of developers are excited about the changes coming in .NET. But if you go deep in the report and look, uh, people are hesitant to pick up stuff like uh, SAS, um, the precompiler for CSS, and uh, some of the newer JavaScript uh, technologies that are coming out. So it's it's kind of like mixed emotions out there. It's like I want to yeah. develop everywhere, but new stuff scares me. Yeah, I, I that's kind of the feeling I got too. It's just you know I'm excited about it, but then I'm not I'm not yet ready to adopt any of it myself, right? So, um, and I even seen this. You know, we had an article recently um, about some just. I mean, it's relatively simple. Just changes to the configuration of .NET apps, right? To how you how you handle your configuration. And even some of the comments were like, this is awful. You know, <laughs> this is not, this is so much worse than it was before. Even, um, you know, they, they like the old config.xml. Yeah, um, you got JavaScript in my, in my .NET project. Sure. So, so, you know, I think there's a lot of, I've, I've been a part of a lot of communities that, you know, like that where, you know, things were changing and, and on the on the one hand, I think as a developer, you know that this needs to happen, you know, for not only for the benefit of the language or whatever or the platform that you choose, right? But for for your own career benefit, right? If, the, if this if the platform you've chosen starts to go away, you know that can negatively impact your career. But at the same time, it often comes with things that you're not as comfortable with, which is just like, okay, now I have to change the way I do things. And I've been doing things this way for a really long time, and I'm perfectly happy doing it that way. Yeah, we see a lot of that uh, with our customers as well. Um, and going back to the Xamarin thing, uh, I picked another one out of there uh, to support that Microsoft build announcement. 62% of .NET developers are making native apps with Xamarin. So that, that means 62% of the audience we surveyed are really happy about that free announcement. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. I'm sure, I wonder if that number should go up, I, I would assume, now that it's free. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we were talking about learning uh, JavaScript by doing earlier. And uh, one of the other interesting bits out of that was 75% uh, of folks have a college degree and 20% are self-taught including myself <laughs> yeah i am too i mean i have a college degree but i'm self-taught on i didn't it's not in computer science or anything related to it so, yeah same here yeah i went and taught myself afterwards so speaking of building mobile apps uh with xamarin if you're 
looking to build mobile apps with something like uh, JavaScript. Uh, Telerik has something awesome called NativeScript. We've talked about it on the show a little bit before. And uh, TJ Vantel has a great article about building polished mobile applications with uh, Telerik UI for NativeScript. Right. So, so for those listeners who haven't heard of it, because it was only recently announced the release of UI for NativeScript, right? So there's, there's most of UI for NativeScript are controls that are free and open source. There are a couple of uh, professional controls that actually do cost a little bit of money, but for the majority of it, you can get it free and open source. Um, and that's actually what his article covers are all the open source controls um, that you can just pull into NativeScript, which is also open, free and open source. Yeah, so there's just some really handy stuff in there, uh, stuff that doesn't come generally out of the box uh, for native development. And it's stuff that's really difficult for um, somebody to build by themselves. Uh, you're going to eat up a whole lot of time building those controls by yourselves. And uh, what we're talking about is, you know, uh, nice visualizations like charts and calendars um, and then some uh, some of the more robust navigation stuff like the side drawer and list view. So TJ's got some good insight on what those things do. Yep. And as usual, you know, everything TJ writes is really good. So, I mean, it's a good read and these are really cool tools. Yeah. Native scripts, uh, really getting some nice community behind it. It's nice to see that. Yeah. It's, it's been growing fast and, um, and the community is very passionate about it. So, you know, like for instance, we have a NativeScript Slack channel and that channel is just really busy. Not, not in a negative way, like, you know, oh my God, this is overwhelming, but just the people really care about it. And like I, I monitor all the like Stack Overflow questions. And before I even notice the, the question on my feed or whatever, um, I, it's already answered. So that it's a very active community. Um, and, it's really exciting to see it grow really rapidly. Yeah, so if you're like a Node.js developer or you really love Angular because we're, we're supporting Angular 2 with NativeScript, right. uh, make sure you go to nativescript.org and check that out so you can build cross-platform applications, native applications, using the things that you love. Right. Uh, the next one here is a little shameless plug for myself. Um, so <laughs> I wrote a little article for uh, Telerik Developer Network called Using Foundation 6 with ASP.NET Core. So all the new things right there. Yeah, more new stuff, right? And the new ASP.NET, the new uh, version of Foundation just came out a couple months ago. Um, one, one of my f more favorite uh, front-end tools uh, especially for layouts and stuff like that. It's responsive, uh, the, probably the best responsive framework out there. I'll go out on a limb and say it is the, the most um, customizable uh, framework that's out there. Now, is that why you like it better than, say, Bootstrap? Uh, personally, yeah. So I, I've been using Foundation since pretty much the first day it came out. And uh, one of the things they've improved over the years, and it really started in Foundation 6 or 3, uh, is that it's so customizable. I mean, you can literally turn this thing into anything you want. And uh, what I talk about in the article is a little bit of that. And 
this kind of new stuff for .NET devs uh, because ASP.NET Core brings um, support for uh, Gulp and Bower, uh, and you use Bower to install Foundation 6 and then use Gulp to compile the SAS, and then the SAS parts of it give you complete control over everything. So, for example, if you want to change colors on uh, the theme of the framework, then you can just set one of very many um, SAS variables in there. One of those is the color for uh, pretty much most of the framework. And you just toggle that, and boom, the whole thing changes color. And those colors are actually... Uh, they're throughout the entire system, and they, they actually, like, if you change something to, like, a red, say, uh, if there is a shade based on that primary color, it will actually change the shaded colors as well. So it's very cleverly done, and, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, so you actually have full access to all the mix-ins, too, that create the framework itself. Um, so if you wanted to create your own uh, verbiage for or syntax for a grid system, uh, you could actually do that with Foundation. So it's it's really so, cool stuff. So that's cool because I mean one of the things I I, I always like Bootstrap. I, I haven't actually I'll admit I haven't used Foundation before. I have checked it out, but I've never used it. Um, but one of the things I always found it was tough to get beyond like on Bootstrap. It was I could open a site and most of the time. Unless somebody spent a lot of time fixing it, I could tell it was a bootstrap site. Yeah, so Foundation is very bare bones, so it's almost like a wireframe when you use it. Uh, and that kind of gives you the base to build upon and make it look and feel how you want it to feel. And then, in addition, the, the SAS variables give you so much control that you can literally make your own framework out of it. And one of the big gripes that folks have with things like Bootstrap and Foundation as well is like, they're like, oh, this big thing, I need to download this big framework and blah, blah, blah. Well, Foundation, if you want to use just the grid, then uh, you just load the SAS mix in for the grid and that's all you get. So you're not going to output anything other than the grid uh, CSS to your site. That's cool. I'll have to check it out, especially because I can't design work. Damn. So. <laughs> <laughs> I need some help. Uh, so we were talking about native script a little bit earlier, and uh, I mentioned Angular 2 can be used with uh, right. native script. So uh, in the Telerik Developer Digest this week, we have uh, an article called Code Reuse in Angular 2 Native Mobile Applications with Native Script. Uh, right. And, and that's ahead, on, that's actually on the the Angular blog. Um, and you know the thing is that's written that's not written by us. That's actually written by a community member named Nathan Walker. But it gets to I think one of the exciting things that as as we move towards using Angular to develop native script apps, right? Angular two specifically, right? Um, that the the great benefit would be that I can actually start to leverage some of my code that runs my website um, to build a native mobile app. And so that's kind of what he's getting into here is, is being able to kind of reuse code across from, from a web app to a mobile app and, and a native mobile app at that, right? So so that's that would be really exciting to be able to, 
to not have to rewrite all those pieces of your application when you're doing it, when you're, say, taking your web app and then going to build a mobile app out of it. Yeah, I talked to Brad Green, the engineering manager on Angular 2 for the podcast right. a couple episodes ago. And uh, one of the cool things he outlined uh, was how XML uh, or HTML can be used um, in Angular 2 because they've freed up the templating engine to, to allow uh, extensibility. So right. you could have templates written in things other than HTML, which uh, NativeScript uses XML, and that allows you to use XML templates. So your core pieces of code, your core business logic stays the same, and then you can just swap out these templates, and you've got both uh, mobile and uh, native experience, depending on those um, right those results. I think you know it's a really interesting architectural decision to basically remove the the things that tied it specifically to the browser, right, and outputting HTML. And so you know, NativeScript is one of those things um, that. It, it's obviously not exclusively native script, right? That's not only what they had in mind, but it's one of those things that say validates that decision to say that we we can now take um, the core of our web application, everything that's running things behind the scenes, and just change where we're the view that we're kind of pointing it at. In this case, it's a native mobile app view, and in another case, it's a browser view. Yeah, removing that dependency on the DOM uh, right. is really really going to do great things for Angular. It's going to be in a lot of places, uh, especially with the popularity yeah. like Node and stuff like that. Exactly. I mean, I think, you know, as we deal with, with uh, more and more screens and, and more devices and things like that, it's going to become important that, you know, you don't, you're not having to start from scratch every time you have to support a new device, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there could be something new tomorrow that we don't even have today <laughs> that we want to write an application for using JavaScript, and Angular 2 will be able to work on that. Aren't you already writing your HoloLens application? Yeah, I don't I don't know if they're going to support uh, JavaScript on the HoloLens, but if they do... <laughs> yeah. Uh, HoloLens was another cool thing we saw it build. Um, we'll have to do another show on that, though. Uh, yeah. Probably take up a whole entire half an hour talking about that easily. I'd love um, to hear more about it because, I, I, honestly, it looks really sweet. I've only ever tried the um, uh, Oculus Rift, and this was probably two years ago, much earlier version of the Oculus Rift, um, and I just I was at a video game conference. Um, it's actually coming up here in Boston uh, called, called um, oh, geez, I'm blanking on the name right now. Uh, anyway, it's really, it's huge. It's like 120,000 people conference. But anyway, uh, they had the Oculus Rift there and it was interesting. I, don't, I, I'm still not completely sold on the idea, but, uh, maybe it was because the application they had us try was kind of useless. I, I was there with my son and then we both had it on. We were playing a game together, except that he didn't look like my son. He looked like just some grown up man. Um, which I'm, and we're playing on a table and sitting on chairs in the game. And I'm like, well, what's um, that's kind of interesting, except that I was sitting on chairs in front of a table anyway. I'm not sure why I need the glasses to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, the, the cool thing about the, the HoloLens, it's 
just the fact that it's got like a connect built into it. So it, yeah. it has the ability to sense a three-dimensional environment around you and project things onto those surfaces and lock them there. Um, that's yeah. a big game changer. And next, the next podcast that we'll be releasing, I actually recorded at Build. And um, I have Greg, and I hope I pronounce his last name right, uh, Levin Hagen on, and he's actually getting one of the uh, the pre uh, developer uh, preview versions of the Hololens, and he actually has some applications he's building for it. So um, hmm. there there's some chatter about uh, what he's going to be doing with it on the show, and hopefully he can explain it better than I can because uh, I actually used the device at Build. And it's one of those things that it's so hard to explain if you haven't experienced it. Yeah, I can't wait to try it. Um, I, I really like the direction they're headed, so uh, I'm, I kind of think. Yeah, the future it might be that the one that convinces me. That future that device is is going to be really where the game is at. I mean, we're we're seeing developer kits come out thirty five hundred dollars for a developer kit, and it's a little little bulky but it's not heavy um but i mean this is gen one so yeah i'm kind of bananas to see what gen two and three is going to look like yep right well i look forward to trying maybe they'll have it they'll have it at this game conference which i think is next weekend the name of it actually so big 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 conference and microsoft always has a big presence there so i'm crossing my fingers that they'll have a hololens and i can try it and our last item on the list actually plays into build again. Um, there was a, a nice recap of uh, Anders Helsberg's um, talk at the build conference about TypeScript 2.0. Yeah, um, I'm not a TypeScript user yet, but I, I love the idea of TypeScript. Um, I kind of what I like about it is just the ability to, that you you can leverage those parts you want to use and you don't have to you know you can write normal JavaScript if you don't want to use the other parts you know yeah it gives you the ability to bring in the new things that you that you want to use and not use the things you don't want to use. One of the things that I like about TypeScript is the fact that I'm a C sharp developer and Anders also works on C sharp. So mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of parallels between how TypeScript works and C-sharp works. So it kind of brings those um, C-sharp type of uh, patterns to the JavaScript world. Um, and they're, they're adding some new functionality uh, in 2.0, like read-only properties and uh, nullable types. Um, and then they're, they're going to support the this type and functions. So it'll be interesting to see how they start rolling some new features into TypeScript and how people accept those. Yep, and to kind of tie everything we talked about, nearly everything we talked about together, right? You can do NativeScript with TypeScript. You can do Angular 2 with TypeScript. Um, so it's actually gained a lot of traction, I think, in, in to a lot of products or projects that uh, that have strong followings. Yeah, Angular 2 is actually made with TypeScript. And right. um, Brad had some interesting things to say about that if you want to go back an episode or two and listen to uh, that podcast if you missed it. I mean, he's he's got some really cool um, uh, things that happened 
uh, with his team when they decided to start using TypeScript. So you should go go listen to that show and, and see what he's got to say. Uh, it's, it's cool to hear uh, such a large product being used with TypeScript. So there's some real insights to gain there. Sounds good. So uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show, but I wanted to leave everyone with some uh, links that they could go to um, since this is going to be kind of a new thing. Uh, make sure you go, if you want to find any of these articles that we talked about and read them more in depth, uh, visit uh, developer.telerik.com and sign up for the developer Telerik Developer Digest. Did I give the, the best way to find that, Brian? Yes. Um, and if they want the, you know, obviously in the show notes will be the link to the to the um, newsletter that we're talking about here. Since if they sign up now, they would only get future ones, right? Yeah. yeah make sure you go grab the show notes from developer.telerk.com. And then uh, you'll if you sign up for the newsletter, you'll be able to get that. And uh, you'll actually get it before you hear the podcast. But uh, we'll give you a great summary and throw our our two cents in on what we thought of the articles for that month or that two weeks and uh, you'll have uh, the articles to go back and reference the material and read everything in depth and uh, hopefully right. you guys find some great use in that yeah we are the TLDR for the newsletter right yeah so all the things you hear here on the show so you hear me say uh, teller part of the Telerik developer network at the beginning of the show uh, that consists of a lot of things and Brian has his hands in all of those things uh, he's one that kind of glues all that together for us and uh, we have the podcast and our blog our our newsletter um, am I missing anything else Brian uh, there's the community stuff that's on the site as well oh yeah absolutely stuff, um, the experts there's an MVP program I mean this a lot of different things that we do as a team. Yeah, so Telerik Developer Network, we're out there trying to get involved with the community and give you guys resources. And we hope you guys come back and take a look at some of the stuff we have. All right, well, this was fun. Thanks for thanks for having me in. I look forward to doing this uh, every other week now going forward. It should be fun. Yeah, it sounds good, Brian. Thanks for stopping in and doing this with me, and uh, we'll talk again in two weeks. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.